The word of God, which we'll consider today, is recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. There we read verses 1 through 8. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. These are the words, Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Christ Jesus, dear fellow redeemed, it happens sometimes that a person will say to someone else, what's your problem? And depending on the inflection of their voice, depending on the tone or the circumstances, that question, what's your problem, can sometimes be the prelude to a physical conflict. On the other hand, if you're speaking to a 911 call center, that question asked of you is very appropriate and important. What's your problem? Then you'll want to identify and describe the problem with the hope that you're going to get some help and protection. Standing next to a paralyzed man who had been carried in on a little bed by his friends, Jesus didn't ask him, what's your problem? That would have seemed out of order. The man's problem was very obvious. He couldn't move. We're not told the reason for this, but the man was held as a prisoner to his bed and was completely dependent on others for all of his needs. And besides, Jesus knew what his real problem was, and believe it or not, it wasn't his paralysis. Jesus diagnosed sin as being the main problem in this man's life. Now, someone might say, well, that's hardly fair. Here, this poor guy can't move. How could he be a sinner? He can't steal anything. He can't assault anyone. He can't commit adultery with anyone. But as true God, our Lord Jesus can see those things we keep hidden from each other. He could see the sin residing in this man's heart and maybe sometimes expressed with his voice. At any rate, we know that the paralyzed man on the bed was a transgressor of God's law. For the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All people, whatever their problem might be, have as this their greatest problem. They have failed to live the holy life that God and his law commands of us. Sin is the evil, then, from which all other 
bad things, all other evils proceed. Sin is the underlying cause of all the problems we face in our lives. God created our first parents, we know, to be healthy and happy forever. But because they disobeyed God and fell away from him and into sin, they then became subject to pain and illness and hardship and grief and death. We might be up and around, mobile, independent, but we share the main problem which our Lord identified in the man who was brought near him in that house. St. Paul expressed that, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all have sinned. I think all of us are pretty good at identifying and describing the problems that we can see in the people around us, not so much in ourselves. And of course, we hardly ever have any solutions to offer to the problems of others. Jesus, though, did more than identify the problem. He was willing to do a lot more than offer a prognosis. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Our Lord's words to Nicodemus, who would come to him. And so here's the good news that he wants us all to hear and to trust. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. With those words, our Lord imparted to the man that medicine, that solution, that cure he needed most of all. He declared to him the forgiveness of his sins. If Jesus did nothing else for him, that paralyzed man would have had more than enough reason to be happy that day. Believing that with all his sins forgiven, the man could enjoy now peace with God, strength to endure his awful physical predicament and have real hope for life forever in heaven. Not everyone was overjoyed by this, though. Some got angry. We read, and at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. To their way of thinking, Jesus had just uttered a profanity. But they had incorrect beliefs about Jesus. They thought he was just a man and that he was here assuming some power and authority he didn't have, which could belong only to God. Jesus knows the truth and he can read our hearts. So he knew what the others were thinking and he asked, why do you think evil? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. The scribes would have had to admit that both tasks would require a divine and supernatural power. And to show that he possessed that ability and the authority to forgive, he would now show his strength over this man's paralysis. We read, then he said, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. The power of our Lord's word cut through years of immobility and stagnation all at once. So the man who for so long had been paralyzed got up and 
walked and carried that bed to which he had been attached all those years. Matthew writes, and he arose and departed to his house. He walked home with a double blessing, both with physical and spiritual healing and good health. Jesus, the Son of God, knows our biggest problem, and he has removed that problem by taking the disease of our sin upon himself, consenting out of love to be blamed for all of our wrongs of what we think about and say and what we do. Jesus took all of that away by suffering and dying for each one of us on the cross. Now we might think about this incident and we might think this way, well it's great for that man in our text, but I Sure wish I could hear Jesus speak directly to me. I feel so burdened sometimes by my sin. I feel paralyzed and locked in by them. And I wonder, could I ever really be forgiven by God? I wish I could hear Jesus' voice saying those sweet words to me. Know this and rejoice. Our Lord has left with us this medicine that gives eternal life. We read, but when the multitude saw this, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. And so we can marvel as well. You know, in a typical weekly worship service, we admit to God that we have all sinned. We all acknowledge God's justice. If he were going to punish us, for our sins now and forever. Hearing the congregation express the words of the confession of sin when we gather for worship, the pastor is given the great joy and privilege and responsibility of announcing God's forgiving grace to everyone present. The words that we often use in our Evangelical Lutheran Synod Worship services are these. By the authority of God and of my holy office, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we say those words, we're doing much more than simply expressing our wish and hope that somehow your sins might be forgiven. We are stating an objective fact that through Jesus Christ, and with his own authority given to us, our sins are truly forgiven by God. Having heard and believed those very words, if you, if you should leave here today as an impoverished college student, having very little of the world's treasures and money, you could still say, I have everything. I think I have all I need. My sins are forgiven. If you should suddenly get sick this afternoon and then check into a hospital this evening and then pass away in the coming days, still, even with that daunting possibility hanging over us, you have cause for good cheer right now. Your sins are forgiven by God through Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf and by, your, by faith your death when it happens someday, will become the doorway that you take right into heaven. 
believing this forgiving word, you have reason to rejoice. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, knows your problem. He loves you. He has solved your problem with his own perfect life and his death and by his rising from the dead. And he has left us with this precious medicine of the gospel by which he comes to us and says, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. Uh, let us now join together in our Lord's Prayer. You'll find that on page 49 at the front section of, your, uh, of our hymnary. And we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please rise now as we sing verses 5 and 6 of our hymn. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.